For scripture reading this evening, we're going to turn to two passages. The last one will be our text. But we begin with 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9. For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked many, very many. Yet have I sent the brethren lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that, as I said, ye may be ready, lest haply, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we, that we say not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before, that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God, while by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. We turn next to the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs chapter 11. Verses 24 through 26, and this will be our text, Proverbs 11, 24 through 26. There is that scattereth, and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than is meet, but it tendeth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him, but blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, this is a very fitting text for us to consider at our annual prayer day service. The text consists of an Old Testament parable that uses an earthly truth about the methods 
of a human farmer and a man selling the grain of a farmer, whereby we receive our food in order to teach an invisible spiritual truth about our life and work as children of God in the kingdom of God. This is a day in which we especially honor God for His continual work of providence in the earthly realm. We do that by our prayer and by worship. And we, in the first place, take notice of God's providence in the world. That this is His continual work as the Almighty Creator and Sovereign King. As we confess in Lord's Day 10, question and answer 27, we remember His almighty and everywhere present power whereby He upholds and governs heaven and earth and all creatures so that herbs and grass, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, meat and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty come not by chance but by His fatherly hand. And we honor God tonight with regard to that work. Also, this is a work of God in the world whereby He governs and upholds our own life as His beloved children. It's not simply the hand of God, but our Heavenly Father. And then thirdly, although there are very few of us today who are directly connected to the work and the methods of farmers and farming, nevertheless the text is a description of one way that God's hand provides for us. The text speaks about a scattering that increases. That is a law, a law of God's providence by which he provides for us. And we'll recognize that tonight. Next, this is a fitting text as a parable because this is a day we also remember God's purpose with his earthly providence, which is our spiritual advantage and blessing. God provides and God teaches us about his providence for our spiritual benefit. In Lord's Day 10, that explains providence, that spiritual benefit is put this way, that we may be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and that in all future things we placed our firm trust in him. And especially with regard to this, that nothing shall separate us from his love. Also there's this with regard to the spiritual life. This earthly truth about the scattering that increases applies to our spiritual life. It's not simply an earthly reality, but it is a proverb, a parable that teaches a spiritual truth, which is that all of our earthly work in the home, at church, at our jobs, must be viewed as a spiritual work, and one, furthermore, that employs the same method of the earthly farmer of scattering to increase. Lastly, this is a matter of faith and therefore a matter of prayer, fitting that we consider this text this evening on prayer day, the scattering that increases, the scattering that increases. We look first of all at the activity, the labor. Secondly, the ground, the basis for that. And finally, 
the blessing. Like all biblical parables and proverbs, this one teaches a wisdom of God that is known and practiced as well as understood only by faith. And the parables and the proverbs that we find in Scripture have a way of teaching us that. That even though they are often examples drawn from everyday physical life, they're the kinds of things that are brought out in a very paradoxical form. They seem to defy common sense and natural wisdom, even on the face of it, until one looks closer at the example. That's what we have here. This parable expresses what seems to be paradoxical. It defies common sense and human logic. It does so by joining together two seemingly contradictory principles or concepts, scattering and increases. It says there is a truth, and the truth is this, that by scattering something, you will increase it. Or, if you want to see increase, scatter it. Now that defies common sense. Common sense seems to teach the exact opposite. Common sense seems to say that if you scatter something, that is, if you generously disperse it and throw it about, then you lose it from your possession. You will have lack and even poverty. Likewise, if you want to increase something, then you pile it up, you save it up, you store it up for yourself. That's the way you gain things. This text says no. And it's therefore important instruction, not only because it goes against the grain, goes against our natural instincts or common wisdom, but because our well-being depends upon it. This text is not a suggestion. It is not something for us simply to consider, but it sets forth a truth. And it's saying that our well-being depends upon understanding this truth and living according to it. Again, according to the parable, we are easily, easily governed by our own natural fear that if we scatter our possessions by liberally giving them away to others, the result for us will be less, not more. And so the Word of God must assure us that is not the case. But we may actually expect that by scattering our possessions, we will increase. On the contrary, we naturally gravitate toward the understanding that to gain more, we keep more. In the greedy desire for gain, we keep. And we believe that if we get rid of what we have, it will only result in poverty and destruction. Like the man who is an example in the parable who withheld his corn, we may instead expect the curse of God and even from those in the covenant community when we refuse to scatter. The purpose of this parable is to urge the people of God to be liberal givers of their money and possessions to the cause of God as required and as is beneficial. The calling is to scatter, that is, to give of our earthly money and possessions liberally for the benefit of others in the kingdom of God who lack them. And that's evident from the example in the parable itself. It speaks of this man who withholdeth corn, and the people curse him. 
as opposed to the man who sells that corn, and blessings are upon his head. That's referring to a man who, through either farming or through shrewd buying, has an abundance of corn, more than he could possibly use himself. He has a great warehouse of that corn. But rather than sell that corn at a fair price to the people of the covenant, he sits on it. He holds it back. And he does that in order to drive up the price. His thinking is that if he saves his corn, he withholds it, then when he sells it, he will make more money. The parable says that rather than increase, he will be cursed. That this is the teaching of the parable in the proverb is also evident from the other example given in the parable, which is referenced by the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. The Apostle in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, actually references this exact parable when he writes, He that soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. His purpose in that entire chapter, and especially with quoting those verses which are the heart of the chapter, is to urge the saints at Corinth to give liberally to the collection that was being gathered for the poor saints in Jerusalem. And he was going to send men from Macedonia to come collect it and wanted it ready when they arrived. And so he adds, let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. This truth of the Word of God is one that we ourselves need to live by and should even be an important part of the covenant instruction of our children in school, say, when we're teaching economics. We teach them many things about economics. We teach them about the value of money and the value of an education and the value of hard work. We teach them the biblical truth of stewardship and the use and enjoyment of the possessions that God gives. But do we teach them also to be liberal givers of their money and possessions, to scatter them to the cause of God in church, in the schools, in missions, and benevolence? And teach them furthermore that this is important, most important, to increase in them over against what we know will be their natural instinct and worldly wisdom, which is, if you want to increase in such things, withhold them and save them. But the application is not only to liberal giving of our money to the cause of God and the poor, but refers to other forms of required and beneficial scattering in all of earthly life. Again, that should be evident from the condemnation of the man who refused to scatter his grain by selling it. It wasn't that he refused to scatter his grain by simply throwing it around, but he simply refused to sell it. Notice also that in the passage, when speaking even of there is that scattering that increaseth, it speaks also of there is that withholdeth more than is meat, that is more than is proper. In other words, there is a certain withholding that is proper, that is even necessary. There should be instruction in proper saving and withholding of 
possessions, for the future, and other reasons. Now, the passage doesn't get into the propriety of that, but it indicates the passage is not simply saying, throw all your money away, get rid of all your possessions, scatter them so you have nothing left. And by the other example, neither is it saying that we have to give away our money. That's worth noting because sometimes in the covenant community, some object that something is not covenantal or proper if we do anything that results in a personal gain. You may not raise money, for example, by selling things. You may only raise money in the covenant community by giving things and receiving gifts. But the fact is, Scripture does not condemn that. And Scripture makes clear that even in the covenant where giving is the rule and scattering for increase is a truth, that we are entitled to a fair profit or reward for work. What the passage condemns is doing anything out of a motive of greed, out of a lack of love, that which is unnecessary or unwarranted when others are in need. But it also teaches the application of the text is broader than simply giving. It applies with regard to our earthly work. The application of this truth is that the man who devotes his time and energy to his earthly work will find that God gives him an increase through that work. God will supply his needs and prosper him in that work, while if he withholds himself in his own interests and his own hobbies, he withholds work and labor to satisfy himself, then he will be impoverished. He will be impoverished. And even there, what the parable teaches applies only if the one laboring labors with a view to others. The man who labors for himself, only for himself, and only with a view to himself, might labor actually very hard so that he might increase, will find poverty. We labor even when laboring for increase for that of others as well as ourselves. The passage applies to our life and marriage and family. The husband who scatters himself by giving himself liberally to his wife and to his children and carrying out his calling will find increase in love and riches of obedience with his wife and children, while if he gives himself to his own interests, spends his time pursuing his own hobbies and playthings, he will find his home and marriage impoverished. The wife and the mother who withholds for herself to further her career or pleasures will not increase but suffer loss. This parable applies to the church. The member who scatters himself by taking an interest in the organic church life, an interest in the worship services, in the Bible studies, in actually visiting the sick, and in prayer will find increase in that scattering, will find blessedness in the church, while the man who withholds himself by grudgingly attending, withholding the budget, who never helps out or only rarely, finds no time to help the sick or visit them, that member will be impoverished. 
And this applies toward the denomination, toward offerings in the denomination, toward the seminary, toward the work of missions, publications. All of that needs not simply giving of money, but needs actual time and labor and effort and love. Now what's the ground for that activity that is set before us tonight in this proverb? Well, first of all, we recognize and even repeat that the parable sets forth a universal truth, so universal that we may call it a law, and a law that applies both to this world and the kingdom of God. A universal truth, a law, a principle, and one now that nature itself, in fact, does teach very clearly. If it runs against what we think is human understanding and wisdom, it's a very shallow human wisdom and understanding. Especially the passage refers to the activity of a farmer at this very time of year. After he tills the soil, what he will do is scatter huge quantity of seed all over that field. And the wise farmer will do so generously, far and wide, as much as is necessary, because he understands the necessity. It's necessary for a rich harvest of much increase. Conversely, there is a farmer who withholds his seed. He withholds his seed because he thinks only of the expense of that seed, and especially that seed disappearing into the earth and the work involved with toiling, tilling, and planting, and then growing. And so he withholds, and so he starves. Understand, this applies only to certain scattering in the kingdom of God. There is a scattering that doesn't increase, just like there is an earthly scattering of the farmer that doesn't increase. The farmer who scatters his seed on untilled soil or on a road, or who scatters his possessions in bad investments and gambling, overindulgence in pleasures and luxuries, or simply to make his name great or to look good, will not have increase. The increase of the passage. It applies to worthy scattering, that which is with purpose, out of pure motive, out of love, not benefit for self, but for others. Even the Apostle brings that out in the passage we read, where the whole chapter begins with, now I'm going to talk about your love. And the same universal truth in nature holds true with regard to every aspect of earthly life, family, marriage, and spiritual life in the church. That whenever we give ourselves liberally to work, to family, to marriage, and spiritual life, we can expect increase, while if not, there will be poverty. But such must rest upon a ground. It must have a basis, an explanation for why this is. Even as it just doesn't happen, it's not an accident that seed thrown onto well-tilled soil rots and then grows and then is fruitful. That's due and based upon God's providence. It is God upholding and governing all these things. It is God who has made it so and made that the way 
that there is increase. So also in the spiritual realm, there must be a basis for this universal truth about God's blessings. This truth is grounded upon or rests upon God himself, upon the very nature of God, and as it's applied to the spiritual realm, the nature of his salvation. In the first place, it is based upon the reality that there is only one God, and one God who is God over both the earthly creation as well as our spiritual life. In fact, this is what makes parables possible. This is what makes such proverbs possible. And then apply to two different spheres. What makes that possible is that there is one God who created and one God who then upholds and governs that creation and all earthly life in it. And that same one God is also the God of the church and all of its spiritual life and prosperity. In fact, a right understanding is deliberately God made this creation and his providence in it to be a parable before our earthly eyes that we may be received by faith about the reality of the spiritual life. We see the one through the other. Secondly, there is this about God. The nature of God is that he himself is a scattering God on our behalf. God is in himself not a withholding, stingy, tight-fisted God, but a God of a generous and beneficent heart and mind. And this is with regard to all that he does, with regard to the bounties of the earth. <clears throat> we sang of that in Psalm 169, verse 1. Thou visitest the earth in love, and sendest showers from above, enriching all the land. Thy streams, exhaustless, bless the field, preparing it the grain to yield, provided by his hand. It's something that we should consider in this day. All the generous providence of God by which he governs and upholds everything. All that is continually going on from an exhaustless stream out of God, providing and caring, and that even well beyond ourselves. And it all comes out of and through God. And then remember this, famine and poverty and lack is not due to the stinginess of God, not due to the fact that our God is a God who withholds and keeps back. It's not due to a lack of resources that God created in this world, or because he created a world with infertile earth, but it is due to the wickedness of man and of its rulers, and especially the wickedness of man and its rulers in not scattering, but withholding trying to accumulate more and more in greed and selfishness and idolatry. And as the parable says, that God curses. God curses that behavior of men. And God curses by taking away that which man thinks he gains. But it is especially in the spiritual realm that we see this that of which the earthly realm is but a picture. We read of that 
in Psalm 13, verse 6. I will sing unto the Lord because He hath dealt bountifully with me. And the context there is not like it sometimes is with regard to earthly money and property and earthly fruit, but the context is the spiritual gifts of mercy and salvation. Similarly, in the New Testament, we read in James 1 verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. God is a liberal God, and that especially with regard to our own welfare and well-being. God held nothing back of himself, but rather all of spiritual life, all of its spiritual benefits, all spiritual blessings are given by him and are out of him with amazing generosity and scattering. For us, God the Father, for us, stingy, self-centered, selfish sinners, God the Father gave unto death His only and eternally begotten Son. Gave Him as the promised seed. And then having given Him to death, planted him in the cold, dark earth. He raised him from the dead the third day and did so as the first fruits of a great harvest, God the Son. This is something the apostle himself brings out immediately prior to the chapter we read on giving. There, in chapter 8, Verse 9, he writes this to the saints, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. God the Son gave His entire earthly life for us. Like you and like me, He was given. Indeed, He took an earthly life and He gave that entire life, not for Himself, but for us. He humbled Himself, body and soul, to the suffering of the accursed cross to satisfy the divine justice of God in our stead and earn for us the right to be the sons of God, to be saved from death and become heirs of eternal life, to receive every spiritual blessing and life from God forever. God the Spirit. God the Spirit then was poured out. Poured out. Poured out liberally, scattered upon the church. The result is an unimaginable increase in fruit. Unspeakable, the apostle calls it in the chapter that we read. God, the Spirit, scattered servants whom He appointed and called over the whole face of the earth bringing the seed of the gospel, implanted that seed into those whom he had chosen in Christ, which seed sprung to life in regeneration and filled an innumerable throng with the fruits of grace and mercy and peace and love. God did that. And this is the very application of the Apostle in the chapter we read. Now, he writes, He that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food 
and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness. You see, the tight-fisted, stingy, withholding member of the visible church who will not give to God or to his people is no son of this scattering God. You see, what is set before us is simply the principle or law of love. God is love. And love delights. Love delights in giving. Love does not take. It gives. It gives entirely of oneself and all of one's possessions for the salvation and advantage of the beloved. In other words, it scatters. God loves and lives a life of love in his own being where that's all that he does. The Father gives of all that he is and the begetting of his Son and his Son in return gives all that he has received back to the Father in love, the life of the triune God. And so the same God in love gives himself in creating all things, all things from himself and out of himself so that in him we all live and move and have our being. All does. We have our being in Him. Then He continually upholds and governs the creation in His beneficent providence and does that so even that is a parable about Himself and about our salvation. And then when it comes to our salvation, that's all that God did was scatter and give. And he did that in love. It's even in love that he predestinated us. Lastly, we consider the blessing. The point of the proverb, the point of the parable, is that this increase upon our scattering is the blessing of God while poverty is the experience of his curse. It's that simple, and it's evident from the text, especially that which we have not focused on yet. Notice, the liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered himself. Conversely, he that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him, but blessing shall be upon the hem of him that selleth it. God blesses scattering, and he curses withholding. And it ought to be evident from the parable also that our scattering is not a condition to the increase God gives. Even the earthly parable teaches that. Even the farmer's scattering of seed does not make his seed to grow, does not cause that seed to prosper, and does not make that seed fruitful. Yet God is pleased to use the farmer and is providing of food for all. So also in the spiritual realm. It is God who blesses and it is God who curses. It is God who blesses so that it is increased, just as it is God who curses, so there is a withholding. And even shows that when there are times the farmer scatters his seed, as he should. But there is no fruit. God withholds the rain and the sunshine so that the crops don't grow or a cloud of locusts move in and eat the crop, often in God's cursing and God's judgment upon the wickedness of men. 
because all blessing that is increase of our scattering is grounded not upon our scattering but grounded upon the scattering of God in his son Jesus Christ consider how that law itself operated in Jesus Christ although he was poor although because he was poor scattered himself to the death of the cross he was increased was he not in his scattering he was given increase by being exalted into heaven by giving to him a bride a body a church whom he redeemed in his love to serve him forever increased him in glory great glory so that when he returns that is what we shall see not his poverty that too was God's blessing upon him but a blessing that he earned and he merited exactly so that it may be grace for us apart from him there is never any increase and certainly never any increase that is blessing so how do we experience that blessing or curse well in an earthly way we hope it's obvious that there will be when there is a scattering with regard to our time and energy in increase in our education in earthly possessions in our work in our marriages in our homes they will prosper and grow but especially also spiritually there will be the increase of peace and love and harmony and joy which is the real blessing more importantly we have an interest in the spiritual way do we not whether we have earthly possessions or not we know that God's favorable attitude is toward us that's important because only then will earthly possessions mean little to us so that we can easily scatter them did you catch that what is it that explains when we withhold whether in a spiritual or an earthly sense when we fail to realize that we have received them only by God's grace and they are given only through Jesus Christ as a blessing only then do we understand that they are not our own as such only for us to use and to scatter as God would have us to do think for example of the church where there is this scattering going on where there is this scattering going on there will be the increase of joy and peace contentment and friendship for example among the sick and the elderly it won't be simply the pastor or the elders or the deacons visiting but they will be visited by many who share their love and their kindness or think for example of the church where husbands and wives are quick to scatter their sons with regard to the ministry of the word where they do not withhold their sons and steer them in all sorts of different directions what's the blessing of God upon that scattering it is that the church shall not lack ministers that there will be no empty churches there will be an abundance even many as needed and there will be no lack of care pastoral care of preaching of the gospel no famines of the word but where there is a withholding there are vacancies there are hurts that cannot be tended to there is unrest and war and enmity and all sorts of evil fruit that flourishes you see there is a scattering that increases and then let's not forget this too the increase 
the passage speaks about, as the Apostle Paul himself makes clear, is that the increase is everlasting. Suppose there were no earthly increase, or at least one that people failed to see. There is, there usually is. A man who raises his family to scatter and to give so that they become teachers and ministers and helpers and assistants and who therefore have work in a different place are likely not to have much money. Not much increase in possessions and time and vacations and RVs, but there will be great increase in their heart and their soul and even more an increased that's everlasting. Listen to the Apostle again in 2 Corinthians 9. God increase the fruits of your righteousness and this righteousness remaineth forever. Or consider 1 Timothy 6 verse 19 that they lay in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold upon eternal life. Talking about the same thing. And so, beloved, even as the farmers soon will scatter their seed, let us first of all pray that they are farmers that scatter, and scatter liberally that there may be increase for us all. And let's pray that God, that God grant the increase and bless the increase so that it may be for our own blessedness. And then let us also scatter the seed, scattered the seed of our earthly and physical possessions as well as the spiritual possessions God has generously given us in His kingdom so that it might increase. And not for our sake but for the sake of our God. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father which art in heaven, O Lord, we thank Thee for the scattering that increases. Thankful for the scattering that has been increased for us. For the great scattering of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for our benefit and blessedness so that we ourselves may now go scatter. May scatter for increase rather than withhold for poverty. We pray that thou wilt bless such things as only thou canst. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.